0: One of the least enjoyable things that I can remember about planning a wedding was putting together the guest list. I think I put it off till like the last possible minute. Sorry. (laughs) I remember thinking about it. Well, besides being told that I needed to do it and why didn't I have it done yet and come on, where's that guest list? I thought, you know, it should be easy. I mean, this isn't a big deal. I mean, you just... uh, You throw together your list of family and friends. That's it. I mean, come on. Like five minutes tops, right? I mean, really, and we get down to it. How many people do you really know and well like enough to want to invite them to your wedding? Piece of cake. Yeah, not so much. (laughs) When I finally got around to putting it together... Uh, There was just so many people. (laughs) and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, how do I even know this many people? And then there was the panic of like, well, our church is not big enough for this. (laughs) There's no possible way. And then there there was no way we could have that many people at our reception. I mean, it's just, it it was insane. So that was bad enough. And then then came the inevitable paring down of the list, which was even worse. Because I had to make those hard decisions on who got in and who didn't quite make the cut. And then figuring out what you're going to say to the people who didn't make it. How are you going to explain to them why they were left out? Like, Ugh. Not fun. Not fun at all. And that was under normal circumstances. I mean, my heart truly goes out to people who have been planning a wedding this year. you know, And having to deal with the, the, all, the, um, all their plans going up in smoke due to the coronavirus. I mean, having to go back to the drawing board. And redo everything. And and especially with the guests, either having to massively reconfigure your guest list or just being in limbo, not knowing who may even show up. I mean, I can't even imagine uh, how that's all gone. I mean, I've, I've gone through, I've done one wedding this year and it was one that was had to be postponed and it was it, just hard decisions have to be made. And ha- so having problems with your wedding guest list is the is the setting for our scripture passage today from our gospel text, where Jesus teaches us a parable. It talks about a king who threw a wedding feast for his son. So he sends out all the invitations. Guess the guest list, sends out the invitations, but nobody showed up. So he says, okay, I'll send out more invitations. You know, go out there to the people I've invited and tell them, look, the food is ready. Everything's set. It's the best stuff. You're going to love it. There's an open bar. Why would you not come? He says, everything is set. You don't want to miss out. And yet again, nobody came. People went off, did their own thing. Some even took the messengers and abused them, even killed them. Now, if you've ever planned a wedding and things didn't go like you expected, you can probably relate to the king's response. (laughs) It's like, I'm done with you people. (laughs) And he says he sends out troops to destroy those murderers and burn their city. It's like, I can understand the impulse, I guess. (laughs) So the king takes a new approach. He says, well, since those who I invited were not worthy, I'm going to send out the invitation to whoever just go out there, he sends his servants to say, you know what, whoever you find, bring them in. I want this place filled with people. So the servants go out and they go to the streets and they just start pulling people in. Good or bad, whatever. Doesn't matter. They just start bringing them in. Now if we stop there, not bad. It's not terribly difficult to see what's going on here. To follow the, the line of, of thinking that Jesus is putting down. Because he's talking about those who reject him. Reject his teachings. That God has sent out his word. He, I mean, Jesus is right there. He, God has sent out Jesus. His word. The invitation to the wedding feast. The good news of forgiveness and salvation. And unfortunately, there were people who were ignoring it. There were people who were outright rejecting it. So then God says, you know what? Okay. I'm going to send it out to everyone. I'm going to go out to Jews and Gentiles. Great. Everybody gets the the invitation. But what I want to look at today is the the last part of the parable because that's the hard part. That's the challenging part for us, even confusing because the guests have now arrived. Everyone who was invited, the, the bigger guest lists are brought in, good or bad. The king goes and inspects his guests and he finds one who is not properly dressed, not wearing the wedding garment he says, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? Man was speechless, didn't know what to say. So the king had him bound and cast out into the outer darkness, sending him to hell. And Jesus closes by saying, you know, many are called, but few are chosen which should give us all pause. I mean, this is kind of a terrifying thing because we are a part of those guests who were brought in after. You know, in the context of Jesus' message, the first group invited were the people of Israel, those to whom God sent the prophets, uh, the people who rejected those prophets, who abused them and killed them. And so now the, the invitation is going out to all the world. Like I said, Jews and Gentiles alike. Jesus goes to the cross to die for the sins of all people. But by the end of the parable Jesus says many are called but few are chosen. And it all seems to come down to how you were dressed. How you were prepared. Now this one who was cast out uh, was found not to be wearing the proper wedding attire. He might have been brought in but he wasn't dressed for the occasion. And this just opens up so many questions. (laughs) Like what? How, how did that even happen? I mean, if everyone was pulled in from the streets, how did everybody else end up being dressed? <laughs> and he wasn't. You know? Was was he offered the clothes, but he he, he he refused to put them on? Did he not get the clothes? Did everyone else, you know, did they go into the side entrance and they got the, the regular clothes, the good clothes, and he just, you know, he didn't. Okay? Uh, how could he be invited if he wasn't prepared? How did he get in in the first place if he clearly wasn't dressed for it? And what about the king? You know, what is his hang-up? I mean, why, why is this so important? You know, he, he's the one who invites everybody, so he has this welcoming, accepting attitude of come as you are, and yet this one guy, he says, no, Go. I mean, we, we we hear this and it, it seems like he pulls people from off the streets and then dismisses them for looking like they were just pulled from off the streets. Very confusing. And at its core, it's, it's really the age-old question of how can a loving God condemn people to hell at all? I mean, if he loves everybody, how can that work? that's what we think is happening here in this parable. A king who desperately desires all people to join him in the wedding feast of his son and yet casts the one out who isn't prepared for it. And if we go down that road, the terrifying question that then comes from this is, what if that's me? What if I'm the one who isn't properly dressed? Now, this is a question that many have grappled with and... A lot of people struggle with, but it's really not that hard of a question. Because, see, God doesn't condemn anybody to hell. It's our sin. It's our unbelief that does the condemning. Our rejection that condemns us. See, and the reason I think that we struggle with this and understanding what's going on in this parable is that we have this fundamental misunderstanding of what it means in this story to be invited. Because we hear invitation and we think, well, that's something I have to do something with. I have to accept it. I need to do. I need to act on it. I need to prepare myself to get in. But it's not about what we do. But what God has done for us. Because we are brought into the wedding feast through baptism. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that brings us into the party. And He is the one who clothes us properly in Christ's righteousness. He prepares us to be welcomed in. It is God doing the work, all the work, of sending His Son to die for us on the cross to forgive all of our sins and then sending His Holy Spirit to connect us to that blessed sacrifice to wash us clean in the blood of Christ, to clothe us in the robes of Christ's righteousness. We are brought to the feast through God's work alone. Just as the man in the parable was brought in, the king had chosen him and prepared him to be there. Now, we don't know what exactly happened, but for whatever reason, that man chose his own path. The king chose him, prepared him to be there. But he chose to not throw it all away, to to wear his own clothes, to go back to whatever he was wearing before, figuring, you know what, I don't need this stuff. I got my own. I'm fine. See, the king in the parable didn't condemn the man. The man condemned himself. Just as we condemn ourselves when we cast off Christ when we decide that we don't need His forgiveness and we figure that our way is the better way to go. See, God doesn't condemn you for your sin. I mean, how could He? Jesus died for your sin. All of our sins were nailed to the cross. It's our unbelief that does it. There's a popular saying God accepts you just the way you are. Nice sentiment. Not at all true. (laughs) I mean, because if anything, this parable confirms that God does not accept you just the way you are. However, the saying should be, God accepts you in spite of the way you are and makes you not only acceptable, but holy and righteous and, and good. God does this through the work of Jesus Christ. Your sins forgiven. You've been shown mercy. You are valued and loved beyond measure because He has called and chosen you through grace. And once He has brought you in, you can reject it. I mean, you can take off those robes of righteousness and say, you know what? I don't need these. I'm fine that doesn't mean God didn't choose you. It means you chose unbelief. That's why we're here. That's why we keep hearing the Word of God. We keep receiving His sacrament so that we're built up in His faith to know what He has done for us. That's why we, we teach and confirm our children so that they know what God has done so that they don't throw away this precious gift of faith. God has already made His choice, and you are in. In baptism, you have been clothed in the proper attire. You have put on Christ. So come and enjoy the feast. Amen.